0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels, and our guest this week, we have Will Pappenfuss on the show for the first time. Will's from Bemidji, Minnesota these days, and he's a professional walleye tournament angler. Uh, he fishes. Uh, he's currently fishing his rookie season as a professional in the NWT. He's sitting 11th in angler of the year points after the regular season, heading into... Uh, the championship on Devil's Lake in September, so we wish him luck there, of course. And just, you know, spending time early in this interview getting to know Will, we get a lot of stories, you know, about where his passion originated, you know, for fishing, coming up into tournament fishing, and just a lot of his personal stories that are very fun and entertaining, and just the things that were impactful to him. And I really enjoy getting to know a young new angler that's making an impact in the industry, but Will's got a really cool story to tell about earlier this year—a tournament story from earlier this year up on Lake of the Woods, where him and his tournament partner caught an unbelievably huge bag and uh, and won a walleye tournament up there. And in the process of telling us that story, it's my opportunity to ask him about Lake of the Woods. So uh, this this show, we get to know Will early on, and then the second half of the show is just a lot of great Lake of the Woods information from Will's perspective and his his uh, experience which is super fun and entertaining because, you know, not so long ago, he caught one of the best bags that's ever been, tournament bags that's ever been caught on Lake of the Woods. So uh, very, very entertaining. Also very, very informational for Lake of the Woods. And it's been a little while since I had a Lake of the Woods episode. So this is perfect timing, a perfect time of year uh, to get to know a new angler and hear a bunch of really, really great Lake of the Woods walleye, summer walleye information. So let's get to it. Will Pappenfuss.com summer walleyes lake of the woods let's do it this podcast is brought to you by northland fishing tackle northland is a brand you can trust since the beginning they've been creating innovative lure designs made of high quality components most importantly when you buy fishing tackle that says northland on the package you can rest assured it is designed for one thing and one thing only and that is catching fish to check out more of what they got head to their website northlandtackle.com that link is in the description of this podcast If you have any fishing memory or a fish that you would like to commemorate with a replica or you have questions about getting fish replicas done, reach out to Jamie Rizavi from Rizavi Taxidermy Studio in New Rockford, North Dakota. Jamie and his crew do next level work here at the JMO headquarters. We are blessed to have so many replicas made by Jamie. Reach out. You can find him on social media or online at RizaviTaxidermyStudio.com. The link is in the description of this podcast. Will Papenfuss, man, it's your first time on. I really, really appreciate the time, Will. Um, it's it is your first time on customary on this show. We got to get to know you, so man, give me give me the whole like fishing story of your life, man. Like, where were you like born and raised and baptized into fishing? What are some of your earliest memories of fishing? Where you feel like you know the passion really comes from?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, honored to be here. You know, longtime listener first time caller.
0: Oh man, appreciate that.
1: Yeah, so I grew up just west of Buckman, Minnesota, which is about a half hour, a little over a half hour north of St. Cloud. We didn't have a lot of lakes around. We had like Pierce Fish Lake, we had Platt, Sullivan, we had a few other smaller lakes around but mainly just Mille is the big lake around there so I kind of grew up fishing some of the smaller lakes with my dad and I'd actually have my mom or dad or even sometimes my grandma would drop me off at the dock and I'd just fish at the dock for a couple hours and then whoever got off work first would come and pick me up in the summer and then in the winter my uh mom and dad bought me a fish house for Christmas and they drop me off at the lake and I'd walk across you know the whole lake or as far as I could through waist deep snow when I was just in you know eighth ninth grade before I could even drive so I'd walk across the lake pulling a sled full of stuff and auger you know back then we didn't have these light electric augers it was all heavy gas augers like jiffy or strike master do just as much work getting there as i would trying to find the fish you know and i actually got an fl8 when i turned i think 14 or 15 so once i got that i wanted to go every day that i could and we just kind of i just picked up whoever wanted to go at school and tell them to meet me out and if their parents let them go and you know i kind of just Balls throw as much as I could with whoever could drive me. And then once I turned 16, I just kind of went on my own and I could drive wherever I wanted to go. And it really took off from there.
0: Tell me, like, where you're at today as far as fishing goes. Like, what would you say describes sort of, like you know, you're the, the, the space that you, uh, uh, take up or this, the space that you encompass in the industry, like what's your position in the fishing industry? Like, like what do you participate in?
1: I work at Northwoods bait and tackle in Bemidji. So full time there. And then I guide part-time. So anywhere from, you know, I might not have a trip that week or I might have three to five trips. It just kind of depends on, you know, when I can take off or I try to do afternoon trips. So usually I work like, Six to three, and then I'll guide like four to eight, and then get home. It's you know you leave in the dark and you come home in the dark, kind of all summer long. And you know I'm trying to do more winter stuff here and there too, just to kind of get a little bit more into that. And <clears throat> I do a lot of tournament fishing. This was my first year actually doing the National Walleye Tour, and it uh, it definitely it's something I've wanted to do since I was probably I think I was fifteen or sixteen. I remember watching cory springle when the first one on pool four on the mississippi river and i just remember looking at the results and watching the videos and everything and i was like that's what i want to do and i don't know what it's going to take what i got to do but one day i'm going to do it and then 10 years later here we are
0: where do you guide most often like what's your footprint as far as your, your guiding in, in that part of your business
1: Yeah, so when I turned sixteen, I started working at Spear of the North Resort on Leech Lake on the south end there, and I just kind of started taking, you know, random people out after work here and there, just kind of, you know, people just come up and ask, well, would you just maybe just take us out for a bit, you know, with tip you or something or whatever at the end of the week or something like that? Yeah, you know, we'll go fishing, whatever. You know, I'm not super great, but I said I know where there's a couple spots we might catch a couple and. You know, as much as I really love catching them, watching somebody else catch one that's never caught one or has never caught a, you know, a decent fish or a walleye or just never really go fishing and just watching them get way more excited than I did kind of got the itch going for that. So I worked there for six years and just kind of was taking people out when I could, and now I'm kind of doing it more and more and more and it's kind of taking off, so.
0: And that's mostly, that. I mean, that was on Leech Lake. Are you still on Leech Lake primarily?
1: Um, more probably on Cass Lake now, but I still do Leech is Probably number two.
0: Right on. Right on, man. You're kind of in a hotbed there. It's like I gotta clarify because you know if you live in Bemidji, man, you're just surrounded by good water for sure. And uh you know, and then you know your your tournament career. Tell me a little bit about that. Like you said, your first year in the NWT, but you know those aren't the only um you know tournaments you've ever fished. Tell me a little bit about getting into tournaments.
1: Yeah, so mostly the tournaments I kind of all started back when I was eight. We, my dad and I would fish. Uh, it's just a little Northern Pike tournament on Platt and Sullivan lakes every summer in August. And I remember all summer long, as much as I didn't want August to come because I had to go back to school, I wanted it to come fast because I wanted to go fish that tournament. And for some reason, I just, I loved the competition. I loved fishing and it just kind of went neck and neck and, it just kind of sparked like hey maybe i should look into some other tournament stuff you know and i really liked walleyes because they always were always were the ones that were hard to catch like if you caught a walleye when i was growing up it was like holy cow your day was made like you are the man if you caught a walleye oh yeah back in my, in my county and stuff like that so i was like man if i could learn how to do this this would be really cool and I think the first walleye tournament I ever fished with was with my buddy Nick Sakella on uh, pool four would have been, oh, I think my freshman year of college back in 2015, I think was the first walleye tournament I did. I did a few bass tournaments, quite a few of those and everything else. But the first big walleye tournament I did was that one. And ever, I think we got fourth place in that one. And as soon,
0: oh,
1: as, as, soon as we fished that one, it was like, I want to do one every single day like I want to do that. and that I've you know I started doing the aim circuit after that I got it kind of got into it and the first one I did I think I zeroed in it on Leech Lake like home body water you know I kind of consider it my home body water and uh I was just like wow okay reality check like this this is a whole different world compared to, you know just going out fishing and you know or getting lucky or whatever so i was like okay whatever they really think of it next year we fished it i fished with my buddy kyle Nesset and we uh i think we got like 47 place at 100 or something i was like okay so you know that's better than zero you know oh yeah okay you know we're getting somewhere and then um my dad and i the next year fished the leech like walleye tournament and uh the first day we did okay then the second day we ended up uh spearing a wave and pretty much capsizing the boat and somehow made it off there and made it all alive like i thought we were going down for sure we're in the middle of the Paris trench you know the boat's tipping over full of water somehow we climbed somehow we climbed out of it made it back and i mean i was in shock for like two days it was probably one of the scariest moments of my life you know i'd kind of just pretty much like giving up because my life jacket didn't deploy, and I was in a full rain suit and warm clothes. I was just like, this is it. This is where I'm going down. And then somehow we crawled out of it. And I just remember getting back saying like, man, if this is a sign that I shouldn't be doing this, maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, I just need to overcome this. I just need to keep going. I was like, I don't really know what to do. And then, uh, I was like, I just, I really wanted to, after about a week, everything kind of settled down and I just kind of said, you know, you need to keep going. This is what you want to do, just keep pushing forward and hopefully it'll pay off eventually. And then the next tournament on leech, we fish or no, Mille Lacs was the first one. And my buddy, Nick and I, we fished the whole season and we got seventh in Malax on the first one. I was like, okay, okay, we're let's go. We can do this. We can do this. And then we ended up going to leech and, it's like I've got a monkey to get off my back on, on the whole body of water here. We got to we got to figure something out here, and uh, we ended up coming in at eleven o'clock with like forty five pounds or forty six pounds or something, and it was just like, holy cow! There nice. was like I think we won by like uh, seven pounds or seven and a half pounds or something. And It was just like okay, I'm like super glad that like I didn't give up, you know? I just kept struggling. No matter what happened, and and ever since then, I just kept. You know, I've had a lot of bad tournaments and a lot of good tournaments since then. But the one thing I just know is, either you you win or you learn. So as long as you get something out of it and apply it to the next one, and there on out, you're doing something right.
0: You know, one thing that's been in, you know, I find to be really interesting. I've had some great conversations, even on this podcast. uh, You know, as the years go by, there's there's not a ton of tournament anglers, um, or successful tournament anglers, uh, that, you know, that travel for tournaments and then go home to like a full-time guiding career. Like it's, they're two such different things, you know, it, it, it like just with you know strategy and just what you're trying to get out of the day like it's two totally different worlds how do you balance that you know as far as your 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 mentality uh, uh, fishing for or or during a tournament versus kind of changing gears and having you know new clients in the boat and, and trying to put on a day Uh, a quality day of fishing uh, for somebody that's paying you to take them fishing?
1: Uh, it's basically, it's, uh, all comes down to one word and that's patience. If
0: you can have good
1: patience, you can do just about anything. My mom, I get it from my mom. She has great patience because she's put up with me and my brother for the better part of 23 to 27 years now. And, uh, if you, you can be patient. I mean, there's definitely times it'll try you, but, uh, you know, I've worked with, um, worked at a resort for six years. I've worked in retail for the last five, six years now. And you see people of all, you know, all personalities is different. You know, they all come from different worlds. And, you know you, ha- you, you know, you have to put up with it and, you know, be the nicest you can and everything else. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is just
0: patience. Dude, I just, I just like hearing the stories and learning more about you. So, I mean, you know, talk about, this is your first season as a pro at the NWT, you said, is that right? Yep. So tell me about this. Let's recap this, you know, so far, man. What have been some of the more impactful experiences? Like, like what would you say is the big recap from uh, the tourney season this year?
1: Well, it, uh, it started off about as rocky as it gets. So, March in March, we're heading to Spring Valley. The temps are dropping. Number one, I'm using uh, my buddy's dad's boat, which I haven't ever been in. Number one, and so I went and picked it up, and we're going down there. We get down there, and we look at the. We're looking around, and my buddy Andrew, who travels with me as a co looks at the kicker and he's like "Um, so our gas line is like broke and leaking gas out oh boy i was like oh great that's a good start you know and we're in the middle of you know illinois where there's nothing around there's like one uh one marine dealer so i call them and they're like yep we have one of those left do you want me to save it for you i said uh yeah we'll be there (laughs) in like we'll be there in 15 minutes so I'm like, okay, we go and pick it up. And uh, there's actually a launch right there next to the marine dealer. And it was blowing like 25 that day with like a high of 32. And uh, it, was, it wasn't blowing there. Like it was calm. I'm like, well, oh, let's just fish here, you know. So we put in and we're fishing around. And it actually ended up being where I fished the the whole tournament too. So it was kind of, it was almost like a blessing in disguise right there. And uh, so we loaded up after the first day. Second day, the uh, towing water batteries wouldn't charge.
0: If you would like to get a replica done of a fish to commemorate a fishing memory or you just have questions about fish replicas reach out to jamie rizvi at rizvi taxidermy studio in new rockford north dakota jamie and his crew do next level work we've got a bunch of replicas done here at the jmo headquarters and we love looking at them again for your fish replica needs, reach out to Jamie Rizavi at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio. That's RizaviTaxidermyStudio.com. Link is in the description of this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Northland Fishing Tackle northland is a brand you can trust since the beginning they've been creating innovative lure designs made of high quality components most importantly when you buy fishing tackle that says northland on the package you can rest assured it is designed for one thing and one thing only and that is catching fish to check out more of what they got head to their website northlandtackle.com that link is in the description of this podcast It was like, I mean, I, I think for anybody that doesn't remember, I remember following along on all this stuff. Like, I mean, the way you described it, it was blowing twenty five and dipping at night below freezing, like or at least right next to freezing. Like every day a prefish, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, the one day they actually sent the MWC guys one morning. I think it was twelve degrees and blowing twenty five.
0: Just ridiculous. And I so not charging trolling motor batteries. I think that was like, I think a lot of people were dealing with that, weren't they?
1: Yep. Yeah, I think there's there's quite a few people were swapping batteries and try to warm batteries up and get stuff to go. And I was having trolling motor or trolling motor issues as well. Um, Live well wasn't working. I mean, I graph wasn't working. I, there it was. Uh, it was like every 15 minutes we had something on one boat, and it just was like laughing at this point. Like, dude, we're not even gonna get the. Are we even gonna get to fish the tournament? Let alone pre fish, you know? I think uh, my buddy Hunter and I, because he had to actually drive back and get a different boat and bring it back down because we couldn't figure out what was going wrong with it. So he ended up driving to Iowa to get a part and then driving back, having it being the wrong part, having to drive all the way back to Minnesota, grab a different boat, and then drive all the way back, all in like a two-day span. Yeesh. I mean, we went and bought new batteries for a different boat. I mean, it was just, I think we got like a total of seven hours of pre-fish in four or five days. Yikes. So here we are. The day before the tournament, we're getting ready for the rules meeting. And I had left the boat on shore and I hopped in with my buddy Isaac Lockers is just to go mess around while I left the boat on shore. Cause it was like 50 degrees that day. And I was like, well, maybe it'll be warm enough that it'll kick the battery charger on. And then maybe I'll get lucky, you know? So left the hatch open so that the sun could beat on it. And then went to the rules meeting and I was like, let's tell him, like, I remember telling my co-angler, I'm like, well, said I don't have a trolling motor right now. Batteries don't charge. Um, I don't know if I have a graph or not yet. Uh, Live all doesn't really work. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, we're going to, I had, Oh, and I had no power steering on the kicker motor either. So that was great. Oh, and then <laughs> I was like, but you know, we're going to go out there and float. And, he, and he, I just remember, he was just like, Oh, okay. You know, kind of bummed out. And then we got back after the rules meeting and the batteries were charged the graph. Somehow I got the graph to work so I could read side imaging trolling motor work. Cause I swapped it out with uh, max Wilson's backup that he had camp and i remember getting on the water the next morning and everything that i needed to work that day was working i went and picked up my co. i'm like buddy you're not gonna believe it i said everything everything that we need to work today is working <laughs> and like we're gonna go catch them and i think we we're in seventh after the first day
0: nice now, had you fished an NWT before? Like, we're talking that this was, like, your rookie season as far as, like, a full season, but had you fished any NWTs prior? I all? fished
1: it full back in 2016 on Erie, but that was it.
0: Okay, okay.
1: You're about to fish the biggest tournament of my life right away, and I have all this going on. I was just like, the, I don't know how many times I was like, we should just go home. We should just go home. I was like, well, we got to at least try it. You know, we got to at least fish. You know, worst comes to worst, We... Sit in front of the axis and maybe we get a couple or something, but everything ended up coming together right when we needed it too. So,
0: right on, man, right on. So, you did you ended up having a decent finish over there in Spring Valley?
1: Yeah, I think I finished in 21st. I had a day two, I only brought four in because the fifth one I had was just under 14 and it was kind of skinny. And I was like, it had to be 14. And if it wasn't 14, it uh, was like a half pound penalty or something, or it was a pound penalty. I was like, I don't, I'm not not going to
0: risk. Right on. So you had a decent finish there. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, jump into the next one. Uh, Let's see. The second stop was, uh, where was that? Winnebago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, how many, like with Winnebago and then Francis Case uh, and then uh, over on the Great Lakes uh, at Sault Ste. Marie, like, you know, as far as that whole schedule, how many of these bodies of water had you fished before? How much experience did you have on them?
1: Never been close to any one of them.
0: Nice, nice man. So, yeah, man, take you know, take me through it. Any other like really impactful, like memorable ones? I mean, and 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 uh, you know, we got to get all the way up to speed. You know, where where are you at as far as AOI? Did you make the championship?
1: Yeah, I uh, I'm in eleventh right now
0: for angler of the year. Right on. So what you know besides, sort of rising from the ashes, if you will, in Spring Valley with like just like a a, a traumatizing prefish, but then putting together at last second having a good finish. Like looking at the other three, like do you have it? Do you have any favorites so far? Looking back, like like what what are some of the you know other like impactful successes that you've had or learning learning uh, occurrences?
1: Uh, win a bagel for sure because growing up and just hearing stories you know it's everything changes there like every day or every other day it kind of seems like and i know that the two days before the tournament i mean a guy could have had like 90 to 100 fish days like just for how good the bite was and i just had that feeling in the back of my mind like something was gonna happen like, like this is bagel like something's gonna change like i better have something figured out or where these fish are gonna go if things change And lo and behold, it dropped to 32 degrees that morning and the wind switched and started blowing about 25 and everything was moving and I could not find a fish and it was about 1130 and I was like, all right. I told my co, I said, we got to switch up. These fish are definitely moving up on top somewhere where we can't see them. I said, we're just going to have to go old school style and just start fishing like we would back home on top of the rocks when the wind's blowing. And no sooner I say that in second cast, the co sticks a seven pounder, and I was and on bagel that's like a unicorn.
0: Yeah, there was not many. Was that the big fish of the tournament? Yeah. It, I think it was, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and I was like, buddy, I said, now we just need to go catch them. And then it calmed down, and the sun came out, and we started started catching them. And I, I missed quite a few of them. He would missed a couple, and we had a couple sheep head, and I think we we came in with just one short. We uh so the rules over there are is we could have six fish in the live well, but um you can't put more than three in the live well yourself. So once you catch your third fish, you're done fishing. So basically so basically you can catch three and he can catch three and that's it. So you basically once you put your six fish in the box, you're done, you go in. So, you know, you can't you're trying to get him to catch a couple and do everything else and it just I would say that was a big learning curve, just trying to see how we could get fish in the bow without, you know, having ever or having someone fish the whole time. So it just kind of kind of just played with my head a little too much, I think. And we did we ended up losing quite a few because because of it. But I would say it uh, for as tough as I've heard it is, it was actually kind of fun to go and figure something out and put a pattern together. And I think we ended up just missing a check by like a half a pound or something.
0: Right on. But in the grand scheme of things, with the NWT and, and, you know, making the championship, the top 40 make the championship, you know, if you're fishing all those tournaments, you don't necessarily have to cash a check every time just to kind of maintain and kind of stay up there. You know, especially after your good finish at the first stop there in Spring Valley, um, you know, uh, you were probably still in pretty good position. So then, yeah, Francis Case, was that a good time?
1: Yeah, it was Probably one of the most fun tournaments we've had. I mean we we got there and the bite was was on. I mean we were, we were just absolutely slaughtering them for a couple of days. every spot we went to it was just like it was like every every probably fifth fish wouldn't bite and then the next five would bite. It was just and then I think they ended up um, dropping the water like three feet and everything just kind of and we had some storms roll through right before the tournament and they kind of shut them down. So it was a little bit harder to get them to bite. And then when they did bite, they short bit quite a bit. And it was really frustrating, but uh, I ended up losing. I think I lost one good fish a day, which is like a good one being like a 46 pounder. I probably had popped off twice or one each day. I think for sure I had one, but we still uh, had quite quite a few good unders. And second day we had a couple overs with decent unders and we ended up cashing the check there and, and then we went to the Sioux, and my goal for the Sioux was just to get, uh, was to catch one fish. I needed one fish to make the championship on Devils, and I only had about two and a half days to pre fish there, so, <clears throat> which is like the worst thing to have on the Sioux, which is you know endless miles to cover. But I had one program and I had a couple spots, and I was like, well, I'm gonna try to make something happen, but my goal is at least just get one. And we got there after the fog delay. The first day, I think we had a two-hour fog delay, and about two and a half hours of fish before we had to leave and go back. And and I had about a 20-minute window right when I got there before they kind of shut off. And we caught caught uh, caught three, lost three, and then they were done. So kind of kind of sucked the first day. We had I had to miss the morning bite, but day two we went and got our five and seven casts and just tried to upgrade the rest of the day. And we just didn't get any big ones.
0: Right on, but that put you, you're in 11th, her Angler of the Year standings, which brings you to, uh, uh, or qualifies you for the championship on Devil's Lake in September. So, yeah, man, obviously we'll be paying attention to a lot of that stuff. And I know uh, earlier this year, you fished Lake of the Woods. You, you had a tournament on Lake of the Woods that uh, you had a really good finish on, and I was looking at that, and I was like, you know, I want to ask Will about Lake of the Woods. I haven't done a show on Lake of the Woods in a while. I don't even... Honestly, I don't know if I have, you know, I've maybe gotten some updates this year, but, you know, I haven't really talked about Lake of the Woods walleyes a whole lot uh, this year. So anything, anything along those lines, any Lake of the Woods walleye topics that we can go down, I would love to with you starting with. Man, tell me about that tournament a little bit. What what time of year was that? What was that? What was that? Were the conditions like? And just sort of, what's your past experience on Lake of the Woods?
1: Uh, yeah. So it was the middle of July, which is usually about prime time for up there. Um, you know, I only get up there probably once or twice a year in the summer. You know, we always make quite a few trips in the spring to the rainy, and then the fall again we try to make a trip. Um, but it's it's kind of been. It's kind of been a monk, another monkey I've been trying to get off my back. I've had a real bone to pick with that place. The first time I ever fished it in the summer would have been for the AIM Championship back in 2018, I think. Yeah, 2018 it was. And we ended up getting 10th, I think, in the championship. And uh, I just remember how many fish we lost the first day and, and the second day. I think the first day we lost six fish I know we were 27 to 30. And then the second day we lost three only because we made a little adjustment but we still couldn't get them all in and I just remember thinking, man, we really should have had that. Like there's no doubt that that we should have not had that in the bag. But you know, it's a couple younger guys just trying to go out in a giant lake that we're not used to fishing and we were just pulling crankbaits on lead and we we weren't super big lead fishermen. And we are just trying to figure it out. But it's like, man, we really had the bites to do that, you know. And then the uh, We ended up fishing two more championships out there since then and just never really could get uh, a super good pattern to go on tournament day. And it just, we always finished mid pack on those two. And I just, God, just, I didn't fish a tournament out there last year. I went up there fun fishing for about seven hours the one day for a bachelor party and that was it. And then this year, my boss asked if I, wanted to fish the woods tournament up there with him because his partner couldn't do it and I just remember asking him I was like when is it and he's like July I said I'm in I said that's the best time to fish that lake in the summer all the fish are going to be in the mud schooled up it's like I need some redemption on this lake so we went up and we went out the day before and kind of messed around and I went up there the week before I had a couple of days off and we caught a couple of good fish, couple like a twenty-eight and a thirty, and a couple other random ones, twenty-sixes, and kind of had some figured out. And I just like, okay, I have the presentations figured out. I just need to figure out where the big ones are all schooled up. So then the day before the tournament, we went out, and there was one area where I caught. I think I caught a, 20 and a half and then I looked over. Next cast was another big one, and I lost it at the boat. Just kind of remember looking around. I just saw like three or four big ones just floating with the waves and i was like all right this is this is it and we just kind of we kind of messed around and didn't really find anything else great and we got back to shore i just remember telling my boss i'm like well i said we got a bait and then we've got a spot (laughs) he's like all right i'm like i said if it happens it happens if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen but i said we're just gonna go fishing and see what happens and we got out there and pull up to the spot. And didn't really find them right away. Went and tried to find a different pod. Didn't really find them. at. We found them right away, but couldn't get on them. And I remember just going right back to where we started and just I was like, let's just let the wind push us and see what happens. See if we can see them. And we started going and I look over and I see a big mark and I was like, huh, that's a good one. And I threw at it and I hooked it and it did not move, made about, Two runs, and then it popped off. I just remember thinking, well, there was our big one. And then I just like, well, all right, well, let's find a different one, I guess. And I look over. There's one more big one right behind him. I'm like, no way. Throw at it. Hook up. Three cranks. Pops off. And I just remember thinking, "Wow, maybe we should just uh, go back to trolling or you know do something you know just go back to the standard to pull a spinner or something because if we can't keep them pinned you know in five six footers here i mean we gotta at least try trolling them i guess maybe we'll have a better chance as soon as i said that i looked over and saw mark threw at it and it was a 31 incher japers we landed it. i'm like no we're not we're not trolling we are not doing it <laughs> and i i remember looking over right after that and i I was like, "Holy cow!" There's two more big ones, and I got tangled up trying to grab my rod. And my boss jumped up. He's like, "Where's it at?" And I was like, "Right there!" And he throws out, "Whack!" Thirty and a quarter, and he had never caught a thirty yet, and that was his first thirty. And we just—I was like, "Did we just go back to back thirty-one and 30? Like, that doesn't happen a lot, you know
0: a big part of it is just you got to be on a body of water that can produce those big fish so you know as we go through this story i definitely want to ask you more questions about lake of the woods your experience up there like like your process for finding fish in the summertime like like primarily like what's the day like i mean are you is it a lot of side imaging are you driving big expansive areas or are you narrowing this down a little bit on what spots look like on a map like like what can you tell me as far as sort of breaking down water and just sort of the process to how you go out there and find some of these pods or some of these schools of fish
1: yeah for sure so Lake Oa's on the U.S. side is mostly just a mud basin. It's just a giant bowl of mud. And there's, you have a few reefs here and there and stuff like that where fish will set up in the spring and fall when they're up feeding on minnows and everything else that comes up there. And then once you get to about the middle end of June, fish will start pushing out in the mud and start chasing bugs and bees that are roaming out there. Because so the bugs will start hatching and all the bees will pull out. And that's when all the big walleyes start to follow right behind them. And that's why the crankbait bite and everything else is so good, just because that's mostly what they're feeding on is tubies, And, of course, bugs and stuff too, which is why crawlers can be really good as well. And most of the time we're driving about 25 to 35 miles an hour on just using our 2D just trying to mark fish. So usually if you can mark, you know, a pot of, uh, let's say, two to probably five big fish, if you see see them potted up like that or you just start marking a lot of fish, Usually just, you know, within about a mile, I'll turn around and pull back through and just kind of see what's sitting there. Because usually if you mark a couple good ones or just mark a couple fish that are kind of schooled up, nine times out of 10, there's a good pot of fish there. I mean, you're just seeing what's underneath you, you know, when you're moving. So you don't even see what's, you know, each direction within a mile. And it kind of just seems, if you can mark a lot of fish, chances are there's a good pot of fish and there's going to be some good ones mixed in.
0: I mean, but like you say, it's just a big mud basin. I mean, is it literally just that random, or I mean, do you feel like you know uh, the wind direction plays a factor, water color, water temperature? Like, what are some just what are some of the pieces to the puzzle that sort of help you find these fish, or is it just as simple as driving around 25 miles an hour trying to run over them?
1: Yeah, it. I mean, it's it's a good water temp based bite for sure too. Like once. The bugs, usually mayflies will start hatching, I want to say it's around 65 to 68 degrees is kind of when they start hatching. And it seems like once you have about a a few days of that, like close to a week probably, and you'll see mayflies sitting all on top of the water, that's when those fish really start to come out and school up in the mud that are still kind of tucked up in the rocks that have been feeding on crayfish and stuff like that. You'll still catch fish in the rocks too, but it seems like it... More of the bigger fish will start pulling out into the basin once those flies start hatching towards the end of usually it's around the fourth of July when that really kicks off. So this tournament being like I think it was like July fifteenth or something, which was just towards the tail end of the Mayfly bite, and they're really starting to turn back on. And I think we just hit it right on to where all the stars are lined and we just had
0: ourselves a day. What do you feel like is the major um you know advantage or just what is your preference with casting at these fish using forward sonar on such a big body of water versus you know just if you were to locate these areas and just troll around in them like like is it just purely preference like that's just how you like to do it or like do you feel like there's some technical answers there like some proficiencies and efficiencies to just targeting the big ones What, what would what would be your answer to that
1: so yeah, so Lake of the Woods, especially, it's it's, it it gets rocking out there. I mean, you have you can get up to five, but you know sometimes they record waves that hit over nine in the gap and stuff, even. So it makes it a little bit harder for the average guy to go out and you know sit and target one fish when you're sitting in giant waves in the middle of nowhere and that fish is cruising and you're trying to cast at it and there's no way your trolling motor can catch up to it or even hold you you know it's going to throw you all over the place like a bucking bronco at a rodeo and you know most of the times i said i would troll but for some reason that day i mean it was still rocking we had 4 or 5 footers and it was it was rock, it was tough but i just knew if we could get the right cast in i mean it it takes a lot of practice i mean it's taken me like the last year and a half even just to Even have somewhat of a um, sense to it. I mean, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of work. But uh, once you get it figured out on what you're looking for and how you can do it efficiently with casting, it's it's 99% um, accuracy trying to hit them right on the face, right in their wheelhouse where they can see it, especially in stained water. You have to get it right on their face for them to see it. So if you can do that effectively, you got a good chance.
0: How would you say you've gotten your confidence in that? I mean, yeah, I mean the, the easy answer is just time, time and experience, but I mean, like really, what have been some of the impactful fish catches or the impactful uh, you know uh, tournaments or, or pre-fishing situations or just like, like like specific stories where you feel like you got your confidence or really made uh, jumps ahead? as an angler with building your confidence in doing that
1: yeah i would say the aim championship or national championship on lake meltona last year it's probably the first time that i really got <clears throat> confidence in doing it so that week we uh i had had it on my boat for a year and i could not get it to work for some reason i got different cords different transducers could not get it to work i think i got it to work for a total of, two hours or something that year. And then that spring I just thought for sure I needed to get this thing figured out. I need to figure out how to learn this thing if I want to have a chance to win. So I ended up buying a new graph and it ended up just being the graph in the back with the, one of the ports was bad. So then everything worked just fine right after that. And I was kind of kicking myself after having it for almost a year and not being able to use it when it was just that simple. But, uh, I went out on the lake and I just kind of turned around and I was really comfortable with using, you know, bobbers, you know, I know Max is kind of starting to use it a little bit here and there and doing good on them. And I was like, Oh, I, we used to just use side imaging and just see schools of them and pitch at them. You know, we try and guess how high they were off bottom and adjust our line ties and throw at them based on the shadows. And I was like, let's, we need to figure this out and how to do this. Cause I think we could do really good, the water temp was just getting warm enough that week to where they were switching from a jig and minnow bite to a leech bite. So I brought a bunch of leeches with, and then the first one I turned over and saw was a good mark. I was like, Oh, that's a good one. And I threw at it and there was a couple other boats around. A couple guys were throwing a jig and a shiner, or a jig and a paddle tail or something. And I threw my Bob out there and I was like, I kind of turned to the right. and I'm like, Oh, there's a good one there too. And I looked back and my bobber was gone. I was like, Really? I set the hook and get up to the bow. It was like a 28. I was like, no way. So I called my buddy, Nick. I was like, dude, I just caught like a 28. He's like, dude, I just caught like a 30. Jeepers. He's like, I was like, did you live scope it? He's like, uh, yeah. He's like, I did the exact same thing you just did. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. We're on to something here. And we just started going around and playing with it and looking in the weeds and seeing what trying to figure out what was a bluegill and what was a walleye and we basically just spent two days driving around not really fishing because we knew we could catch them if we saw them and we just kind of drove around to where we found the right weeds where the fish were laying and what what we could tell were walleyes and once we got that figured out it was it was game on.
0: and getting back onto lake of the woods now like you know, just talking about that tournament, you guys went back to back thirties. How did the rest of the day go? And what were the, you know, what do you feel like you, when you were putting it together and the, the day you caught those two big fish, like, you know, what do you feel like was the total setup? Like, like, like what was making that area good? And, uh, and just, just how did that all play out like in your head, like mentally the rest of the day?
1: So we caught those two. <laughs> After we kind of settled down a bit and got reset, I kind of just looked over and I just remember thinking, okay, I know what I'm looking for. I know what I have to do. We have we have to make this count and we can't, like, we can't miss a cast. If we miss a cast, we're screwed. So it literally was like I was literally sweating and bouncing up and down in five footers and trying to sit on my pedestal, trying to make sure that I could cast and hit it effectively and like i always said like one of us might just need to fish and one of us might just need to you know either control the boat or even just look for a big one so he would sit with his pole on the back while i'm trying to fight in the waves and he'd be like big one 30 feet to the left and i just drift back a bit and i turn my trolling motor and i try to line it up where i knew i was going to hit it if i drift a little bit and i could just get like I would say, like, shooting, I grew up shooting clay pigeons quite a bit and leading, you know, when you get a hard left clay pigeon that shoots out and you got to follow it or duck cutting where you got to lead them. I would say that has helped me big time with trying to line up my shot with a cast in 35 feet of water and five footers. Yeah. So it's, like, just trying to get the aerodynamics and everything to make a good cast and let it drift right in front and be able to get a good hook set. And I, there was a couple times I... Didn't quite get it right, and they'd eat it, and I'd set the hook on them, and they'd fall off. I mean, I think I lost I lost five, no, that were 27 to 30-plusers along with the ones we got.
0: Like, where is your confidence with bait selection, and what are some of your big considerations there for that time of year?
1: I definitely have a bobber with some kind of leech setup or with a jig on it so that you can effectively get down there fast enough before they leave so when you're fishing 30 to 35 feet you know you're trying to drop it on their head and fast before they take off because these are basin fish you know they're not just sitting on a rock pile or sitting on a weed edge these things are moving you know there's nothing to keep them sitting still so unless you're gonna unless it's calm where you can go around and move around with them it's going to be tough so you got to have a lot of weight on there and you got to get down there fast um Number two, I'd have some kind of a jig rod with, whether you're putting bait on there or you're putting a plastic on. That was really huge. And then number three would be like a glide bait, like a jig wrap or a puppet minnow or something like that.
0: Right on, man. Right on. I love it. And, you know, fishing Lake of the Woods, that's definitely been, I mean, it's what, whatever, what do they call it, Lake of the Woods, walleye capital of the world or whatever it is. But, you, you know, when you look at so much, uh, of the fishing that goes on in the summertime on Lake of the woods, uh, especially with the charter boats and and a lot you know lake of the woods or ice fishing it's it's uh you know there's a lot of small fish in that lake right It's a walleye factory there's a million billions of walleyes out there. a lot of them are small or undersized so these tournaments have really uh, you know like like yourself you know these these tournament fishes uh, uh, finishes with these big weights definitely, showcase you know the the quality of fish that are in lake of the woods but i feel like it's still such a mystery to so many people just how to find them and catch them so i just love the stories i just i love the stories and and how you're you're we're finding them on the new technology nowadays with the forward sonar and guys are able to catch them casting um, you know, the trolling is still very viable, right? Like we're not running away from the fact that you can still go out there and troll that time of year and, and have a really, really good day. But you know, the, the type of fishing, it's just, it's so much more fun. It's so much more fun to talk about for sure. Um, so, you know, to that tournament, how did you guys end up? Like, what was your total weight?
1: We, uh, so usually is a photo release tournament through the fish donkey app. Basically, for that one, we uh, use, so, like, aim tournaments and stuff like that or MTT tournaments, photo release, stuff like that, It was you always round up to the nearest quarter inch. So, if it touches 26, you'd round it up to 26 and a quarter. But for this one, you round it down. So, like, if it touched 26, it was 26. If it was 25 and three-quarter, it was, or, like, just under 25 and three-quarter, it would be 25 and a half. So, if I took the measurements that we had, and I threw it into the aim weight conversion. I think it was like fifty-six twenty-five or something we'd have had.
0: Just crazy. For...
1: Yeah, it was it was a day.
0: But anything else about Lake of the Woods? Like any advice or, or, or anything that you have for anybody that's wants to go up and find nice fish up on Lake of the Woods? Like anything else that we haven't covered that you want to add before we try to wrap it up?
1: The the biggest thing I would do if you're looking like this time of year, midsummer, anywhere from July to, you know, close to September is, you know, they're kind of spread out in the mud. Yes, there's a couple of pods here and there, but the biggest thing would do is most of those fish are just coming off the main lake reefs. You have like 16 mile, you have nights, bridges, you know, limbs, and you have the bumps they call them down by Zippo, all that stuff. All those fish are just starting to pull off the edge. It's kind of like you'd look at any lake around here. Most of those fish pull off, you know, to the basin areas and roam around and chase out stuff all summer long here, too. They pull off the weed lines, they pull off the rock piles, and they're just out suspended or just laying in the mud roaming around. And that's the same thing up there. It's just a lot bigger water and a lot more mud for them to hide. But that's basically the same thing that happens up there. So just start off the edge of the reefs and just kind of roll with the mud till you start finding fish. And they're usually not too far.
0: Right on, man. I love it. I love it. This is good. Uh, you know, the first time having you on, I just really enjoy, you know, learning about you and, and kind of where your fishing experience, uh, you know, comes from and just some of the successes that you've had. Obviously, I want to wish you luck at the championship on Devil's Lake. That'll, that's coming up, uh, you know, early September. So we'll be looking for that. But uh, dude, we can wrap this up. We're so good on time. I would just say promote yourself where anybody can maybe follow along. Uh, with your, uh, you know, your tournament stuff or just get a hold of you if anybody ever had any questions or, you know, look up your guide service. Promote anything uh, that you got. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, um, Instagram is Walleye Wheel Fishing. You can find me on there. Um, otherwise, we'll pop on Facebook or I crazy guide Service on Facebook as well. If you want to book a trip or have any questions on rates or availability, just uh, shoot me a message or, uh, yeah, that'll work perfect.
0: There it is, man. I appreciate it. That's a wrap. All right. Thank you, sir. Later, man. This podcast is brought to you by Northland Fishing Tackle. Northland is a brand you can trust. Since the beginning, they've been creating innovative lure designs made of high-quality components. Most importantly, when you buy Fishing Tackle that says Northland on the package, you can rest assured it is designed for one thing and one thing only, and that is catching fish. To check out more of what they got, head to their website, northlandtackle.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. If you would like to get a replica done of a fish to commemorate a fishing memory, or you just have questions about fish replicas, reach out to Jamie Rizavi at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio in New Rockford, North Dakota. Jamie and his crew do next level work. We've got a bunch of replicas done here at the JMO headquarters, and we love looking at them. Again, for your fish replica needs, reach out to Jamie Rizavi at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio. That's RizaviTaxidermyStudio.com. Link is in the description of this podcast.